Amen. Amen. All right, as we get into the Word of God this morning, you guys excited for this one? Yeah. We're going to go to Mark chapter 5, verse 1 through 13, as we stand for the reading of God's Word. Mark chapter 5, beginning at verse 1 through 13. And the Word of God says this, They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes, And when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with chains. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore his chains apart and broke the irons off his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. And night and day among the tombs, And in the hills, he would cry out. That word literally means scream. So he would scream and he would cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran, he fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake, and they drowned. I want to speak to you this morning. On demonic territory. How to remove demonic areas out of your life. Let's pray. Father, bless this word. Help me to preach it. Clear our minds of any distractions. Help us to learn this, apply it to our lives. And Father, we thank you for this service. We thank you that we are able to gather today in church. Father, we pray for all the churches and everyone else in the West Coast right now that can't do what we're doing right now. Father, I pray that you would bless them, rebuild, protect them. Now, Father, give us ears to hear and eyes to see your word. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat as we get into this topic, demonic territory, removing demonic areas from your lives. I wanted to start off this week with this passage because I was reading Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 through 13. This is what the Bible says. Our struggle, everyone say our struggle. How many of you have some struggles right now? Amen, I got a big amen there. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not just physical. But God says that our struggle is not flesh and blood, 
but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, God says, put on the full armor of God so that you notice, so that when the day of evil comes, it doesn't say if, it says when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your grounds and after you have done everything to stand. Now I want you to notice something about what the Bible is saying. This scripture is not written to ungodly, unsaved, pagan people. This is Paul writing this letter to a church in Ephesus. In other words, Paul is writing a letter to believers and he's writing to the church and he's reminding them and he's warning them that we live in an evil world. And all of the problems that they were going through in this church for serving Christ, the people were wondering, man, why is everything not working out? Why is all of this trouble happening in our lives? Because many Christians, for being Christians, were being completely excommunicated. Many of them were being thrown in jail, dying, being killed, burned alive, fed to the lions. People were not wanting to be friends with them if you're a Christian. If you're a Christian, we're not going to do business with you. So ever since they started following Christ, their entire lives became a constant struggle. And Paul, writing this letter to encourage them, he tells them, listen, the problems that you're going through, the physical problems, everything, the struggle in your life is all because the devil is real. It's all because there is an evil, unseen world around us. And the devil is trying to stop you. The devil is trying to bring you down. The devil is trying to allow this chaos in your life so you will no longer stand your ground but leave the faith and no longer be an influence for the kingdom of God. That's why you're in the struggle that you're in. The struggle is real because the devil is real. And Paul writes this letter to them to encourage them. And he says, you're in this struggle. And the word struggle in the Greek is a word that literally means to fight and to wrestle. That word struggle is so evident in our lives today. Think about what we're seeing in our world today. Think about what we're seeing in the church today. Because here's what we have to understand as Christians. When you are serving Christ, it doesn't mean that you have everything put together. Can I get a witness on that? You know, when you're a Christian, it doesn't mean that life is easy from here on out. It's actually the opposite. It's a struggle because the devil is resisting you. In fact, if you're a part of this church, I will remind all of us here today that everyone in this church that reads the Bible, listens to the sermons, worships with Frankie, sings songs to the Lord, and fellowships, everyone in this church, look around, everyone, look around. Everyone in this church is in a struggle. Churches aren't perfect. 
Christians aren't perfect. We struggle. And there is a struggle happening in the church. There is a struggle happening amongst Christians. You may be even in the church today and you have a struggle with depression, loneliness, and you're fighting evil thoughts. You're fighting these thoughts that tell you give up and quit. What has God done for you? You may be struggling with addiction and bondage. And you're fighting with these urges that you know you want to do the right thing, but the wrong thing keeps presenting itself as temptation and you just want to give in to it and all of these urges. And you're saying, I just want, I, I don't want to do this. I know it's wrong, but you're struggling with this bondage. Some people are struggling with anger. And you're fighting with everyone. And you have a temper on you. And you throw stuff, you break stuff, you slam doors, you just yell, you curse, you tear people apart. Because there's an anger, there's an anger battle happening inside you. There's a struggle in the home today. There are marriages that are struggling to stay together. There are children that are struggling with their identity. There are families struggling to stay just one. There are homes in trouble. There is a fight in the home, in the month, godly people. There is a struggle that Christians are going through. Why? Why does the devil want resistance? Why does he want to battle? See, God tells us, put on the full armor of God. And the only reason that you would ever put on armor is because you are getting ready to go out to war. You are getting ready to go fight in battle. But why does the devil want to battle Christians? Why does the devil want to struggle with us? It's because notice Paul said, that not only do we struggle, but that word struggle literally means to fight and wrestle. Paul uses a fighting term called wrestling. He doesn't say boxing. He doesn't say Muay Thai, Kung Fu. He says wrestling. If you want to ask, what's the devil's fighting style? Because he has one. It's wrestling. Because in wrestling, you're facing your opponent. And in wrestling, you're trying to get around. You're trying to get close enough. You're trying to see the weak points. And in wrestling, your one objective is to overpower that person, apply so much pressure and pain that it causes that person to fall into submission and tap out and surrender. So what the devil's literally doing to us as a church, 
He's looking around. He's trying to see what's the weak point. Where can I get her? Where can I get him? I know. And he gets close enough where he applies all of this pressure in your life to get you to a point that he overpowers you so much with temptation. He overpowers you so much with stress. He overpowers you so much with fear that you're under so much pain and agony that you just tap out and surrender because the devil wants Christians to tap out, to give up, to stop serving God, give up on the Bible, give up on church, stop that prayer stuff, give up on Jesus, just tap out. It's too hard. It's too difficult. Just tap out. I'm too strong. But God says, put on your full armor because God does not want us to be scared of this devil. He doesn't want you to run from this devil. He says, devil, get ready because my children are going to battle you. We're going to fight you and we're going to overpower you. But see, there are too many Christians, to be honest. We're too soft. And I was thinking just yesterday, I was mowing the lawn, and I started thinking, 13 years of being a pastor in this one church, and I've seen a lot. But what breaks my heart And the hardest thing to see as your pastor is all the people that have come through these doors, but they've tapped out. And I'm talking people that aren't even serving God anymore. Talking people that are out in the world right now. I'm talking people that are now saying they're atheists. I'm talking about people that criticize Christianity. I'm talking about people that become far left liberal wackos. I'm talking about people that want nothing to do with God. I'm talking about people that I once in this church, they worship, they serve, they were nice, they were kind, they were friendly, they loved the Lord. But somewhere down the line, the devil was eyeing them. The devil was trying to wrestle and they got him and they got her. And they tapped out. And you're here today because you haven't tapped out. But you can. And that's why I want to preach this message today. Because we should have titled it, Don't Tap Out. Because the devil is not only real. And not only is the struggle in your life real. The devil wants you to tap out. Maybe you're there right now. You're walking that line. And you're saying, is it worth serving God? Is it worth being a Christian? What has serving Jesus got me? But only pain and struggle 
and I look at everyone else in the world and I see everyone that doesn't serve Jesus and their life is fine and they're healthy and strong and they have children and jobs and money and everything they've ever wanted. But I'm here serving God and ever since I started serving God, it's a struggle. The struggle is an indication that you are serving God and the devil is mad about it. And he wants you to tap. And that's why you're saying, well, pastor, it's hard. Duh. Pastor, it's not easy. Obviously. My prayer, as long as I stay your pastor, is that I don't see anyone in this church tap out anymore. But in the Bible... We read of a man that tapped out. We see this man in the Bible, he's struggling with a demon. And notice how the Bible describes his life. The Bible says he was naked. Because in the Scriptures, nakedness represented shame. That's why when Adam and Eve sinned, and they they saw their nakedness, they were filled with shame, and ran away from God. So this man, under demonic influence, is living a life with shame over sin. Shame where you say, God doesn't love you. God doesn't want to help you. God is mad at you. Just run away from God. You are disgusting. You are dirty. Shame on you. You call yourself a Christian? Shame on you for watching that. Shame on you for living that way. Shame on you. That's how the devil works. The Bible says that this man was not only naked, but he was screaming. And that word screaming in the Greek literally means screaming in so much pain, but also anger. So this man, under demonic influence, was not only living in shame, but he had anger about him. Maybe that's you. See, I don't know why I'm just angry. I don't know why I just snap at people. I don't know why I just stick that finger when someone cuts me off. I don't know why I just curse all the time. I don't know why I say what I say, do what I do, broke what I broke. I'm just angry. And this man was in pain. Because the devil will get you with pain. The Bible says night and day in the tombs, night and day, and day and night. In other words, this man, he wasn't doing much sleeping. Under demonic influence, there's a restlessness in your spirit. You find yourself at night, and you're looking at that clock, and you go to bed, and it's 10. You open it up again. You're still not sleeping, and it's 12 and then it's two, and then it's three, and you're on your phone, and you're not tired, and you're worried, you're anxious, you're thinking about all of these things. You got to take something. You got to just, just got to go to sleep, but I can't. I'm restless. I'm restless. I can't find rest. I can't find peace. I can't find comfort. I can't just relax under demonic influence. There was a restlessness about this man. 
Not only did this man have a restlessness about him. You want to know the most shocking thing about this man that I've never even seen in all of my years studying this passage. One thing that shocked me. You guys ready? You guys good? He ran. He fell on his knees before Jesus. And this man, under demonic influence, said, what do you want from me, son of the most high God? This is what shocked me. From a distance, if you and I were walking by the Sea of Gerasene, I don't know why we're walking together, but we're walking together. And we would have looked across and seen this man on his knees, falling before Jesus, worshiping, saying, Son of the Most High God. You know what you and I would have said? Wow, what a great Christian. Look at that guy. Look at him worshiping. Look at the way he talks. Look at the words he uses, most high God, wow. Look at the lingo. Look at how he raises his hands. Look at how he prays. Look at him, wow. Man, I wish I were more like that guy. If you would have gone closer, we would have seen that behind this worship exterior, and speaking like a believer, saying, Son of the Most High God, underneath all of that, this man had inner demons. And that really spoke to me because I said, God, what if people can come to a church and sing a song and worship and raise hands what if they can get even deeper than that and talk like they know God? What if they can say stuff like, yes, Lord, amen, hallelujah, Lord, yes, Jesus. Jesus is so mighty and sovereign. Glory be to God, most high in heaven. Hallelujah, the Lord is good and good all the time. And all the time, the Lord is good, yes. Praise ye the Lord, hallelujah, Jesus. None of that means you're okay. Because this man, he did the right thing. He said the right thing. But this man was not right. And Jesus, he doesn't say, wow, great. Thank you for the worship. Thank you. Oh, and you said, most high God, wow. Jesus saw that. He heard what he was saying. Sounded nice. He saw that he was on his knees worshiping, saying, Lord, and you know what Jesus said in my version of the Bible? Something ain't right. Something wrong with this boy. You imagine Jesus turning to his disciples, something's wrong with this boy. But I wonder if you're here and you're worshiping and you're in church and you're talking like you're Christian, you're talking, saying the right things, you're doing the right things, but God is looking at you and you know the truth and you know that something ain't right with you. 
I want to preach to those people today. And I want to just say that I think all of us are those people. And you're going to know, not me, that something ain't right with you. Because you're a liar. Something ain't right. Come on, look at your neighbor and would you tell him for me, hey, something ain't right with you. Something ain't right. And then you turn to them again and say, hey, preach to yourself, brother. Preach to yourself, sister. Something ain't right with you. Come on. Something ain't right. But we're in church. But here's the thing. You want to meet real messed up people? Come to church. Come to church. We, we, we shouldn't name our church Something Ain't Right Fellowship. Because some of you and I, we've come to this church, and I don't tell you, you see, when I meet you, I'm going to laugh. I'm going to, hey, good to see you. Welcome to our church. What's in me? You know what I'm saying? Wonder what's, I wonder what's wrong with this one. Something ain't right. And you better believe, mom will come up to me. Hey, I got, mom has discernment. And mom will come up to me and say, hijo, hey, hey, son, something ain't right with that one. Something ain't right. And I said, mm-hmm, something ain't right. And that's what shocked me. So we can do the right thing, say the right thing, look spiritual. Something's not right with us. And I'm talking to you guys that you know you're a Christian, you know you're walking with the Lord, you know you're saved, but you're saying, Pastor, but something is off. Something is wrong with you. I know Jesus. I love Jesus. I repented of my sins. I've turned to the Lord. But something's not right with me. That's who I want to preach to. I don't want to preach to those here today that, that no, I'm fine, I'm good, I'm, nothing's wrong. No, I want to preach to you. That you had an inner, you have an inner demon and there's something in you. You're saying something's not right with you. Because like this man, maybe you're in the house of God, but you're living with shame. If you're living with shame as a Christian, something's not right with you. Jesus says, as far as the east is from the west, so much have I removed your sin. But if you know this truth and you serve Jesus, but you're still living under condemnation and guilt and telling yourself and reminding yourself that you're no good, you're worthless, always thinking about your failures, your weaknesses, your past. And I, why did I do that? I live with regret. God can never love me, use me. And you live with shame as a Christian. Something is not right with you. If you're living with pain over someone's hurt, over someone's words, you can't get over it. You can't forgive them. Something's not right with you. If you're like this man and you're restless, you can't sleep, you have anxiety, you're worried all the time, you're stressed, you got to take pills to sleep, you're losing your hair, you're anxious, and you're always thinking about the worst, and you can't have peace, you can't have joy, you're always critical, thinking worst case scenario, what if, and what if, and what if, and oh my God, what's going to happen? Something ain't right with you. If your mind constantly tortures you, 
something's not right with you. But it's Sunday, so you you come to church, you you worship, you read the Bible, you love the sermons, you serve, you go to Bible study. And from a distance, everyone says, wow, Fulana looks so good. She said, hey, look at him, he's working so hard. He loves the Lord. And, you, and deep down inside, you could say, if you only knew what's inside me. Something's not right with me. And this man, what breaks my heart is this man had a family. Because when Jesus healed him, he says, go back home to your family, which tells us in the context, this man was a family man. He was a father. He was a husband. He had a job. He had responsibilities. So it wasn't just him struggling. His struggle made the rest of the family struggle. Because I want to tell you, not only is the struggle real, but the real struggles in your life become struggles for everyone else that loves you. Your struggling passes on to your family. You think you're the only one with a drug problem. It passes on to your parents and they pray for you and they cry for you. You think you're the only one with an addiction to pornography, but it hurts your spouse. You think you're the only one going through what you're going through, but it hurts the home. It hurts the family. It hurts everyone that cares. That's why in the Bible, and I feel like preaching this morning, so just bear with me, okay? But that's why in the Bible, you see that day and night, the people tried to control him. They tried to subdue him. They tried to help him. Why? Those people are most likely his family and friends. And they tried and tried and tried because they loved him. And there comes a point that the Bible says, but they couldn't help him. And maybe that's how you feel. Say, Pastor, no one can help me. I've grown up this way. Pastor, no one can help me. It's too difficult. No one can change me. Or maybe it's someone else in your family you love and the devil has them. And you're saying, Pastor, I tried and tried and tried, but I can't help them. But thank God Jesus steps in and He crossed over through a storm to get to the region of the garrison because God will go through what He has to go through to get you. And He crossed the region of the garrison. And he stood there amongst the demonic territories. So maybe it feels like a losing battle because no one could help him. They tried. But they gave up. And if you're in a losing battle, the type of wrestling match we're in with the devil is a tag team. You wrestling fans know what I'm talking about. And it's when that wrestler is hurt and in pain and can barely get himself up or herself up, they walk to that corner of the ring with their hands out 
And this big, strong, refreshed person just taps in and says, I'm coming in. That's Jesus for me. Jesus just reaches out his hand and says, don't tap out. Just tap my hand. Reach out to me. And some of you, you need to tag out and say, Lord, come in. Come in and deal with this. Because I can't anymore. And everyone focuses on the how Jesus came in and how Jesus just under his authority the devils fleed and delivered this man. The Bible says he was clothed. He was in his right mind. Jesus says, go back home, which means Jesus said, I'm going to restore your life, restore your marriage, restore you to your children. I'm going to restore your home. I'm going to restore your family. I want you to come back and whatever you thought you lost, I'm bringing it back. Go back home and watch it be better. And it did. The Bible says that he and his whole family got saved. So things got better in his home, not worse. That's Jesus. And that's what we focus on. But your pastor did something different. I love the happy ending. I said, oh, that's great. You got saved. Family got saved. You finally got clothes on. Because some of you got saved and put more clothes on. Amen? Some of you still having on the memo. <laughs> but Jesus says, go home. But you know what I ask myself, church? We focus on how the demons got out. But we're going to answer the question, how did they come in in the first place? Oh, it's great. The demons came out. How did they get in? You ever taken a snake out of your home? No? Hmm. You ever taken a roach out of your home, a rat out of your home, something that didn't belong out of your home? Where are my country people at? You know what I'm talking about? It's great that you take it out, but then you sit back and wonder, how did they get in? That's what we have to answer today. You guys want to learn today? Are we off to a good start? Let's tag Jesus in this one. How to get in. Verse 10. Look at verse 10 with me. The demons begged Jesus. They begged him again and again not to send them out of this area. Let's pause there for a second because the demons did not beg. Notice, the Bible doesn't say, and they begged again and again not to send them out of this man. Not what they said. Listen, if the devil's attacking you, it's not about you. You ain't that special. The devil doesn't, oh, he's attacking. No, he's not. The devil is after your area. Your family is your area. Your home is your area. They said, Jesus, whatever you do, do not send us out of this area. Why? Here's what we have to learn about demons. 
Demons need the right area to thrive. They need the right power to operate. This is why, look with me, verse 19. Verse 19, the Bible says that Jesus said to him, let him go, but he said, go home to your family. Go home, everyone say that, go home to your family. This man went home, he had a family. But look with me now to the next verse. Now I want you to notice something about this. In verse 2, when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs. How do you go from being a family man at home to living in the tombs in the graveyard? You ever wonder that? What is it that the demons got him out of his home and led him to a graveyard? And here's why. Because demons need area to thrive. And in Numbers 19.16, the Bible says that anyone out in the open who touches someone who has been killed with a sword or someone who has died and not a natural death, or anyone who touches a human bone, or what? A grave will be unclean for seven days. That word unclean literally means unfit to honor God. The reason that these demons took him from his home all the way to the graveyard is because graveyards in the eyes of God were considered unclean, unfit for honoring God. And demons need area. They need an environment where they can thrive. And let's put it all together. If demons need the right environment to thrive, could it be that the right environment for a demonic spirit to take force into your life is any area in your life that is not fitting for honoring God. Uh-huh. Anything that has breath and life needs the right environment to grow. That's why we're not plucking peaches in Florida, but we're plucking them in Georgia because peaches don't grow in Florida like oranges don't grow in Georgia. Why? Because a specific tree needs the right environment to grow and take root and thrive. That's why if you put a fish on a boat, it's flapping around because it's freaking out because you've just taken him out of his environment. And before you know it, they die. Environment is everything in the spiritual realm of God and the devil. Let me say that one more time. Environment is everything in the spiritual realm of God or and the devil. Your environment can determine who can overpower you. That's why when they got this man at his home, they got him out and into an ungodly, unclean, unfit to honor God environment And that is where this man lost all control. Environment is everything. How many of you have ever forgotten your water bottle in the freezer? What happens to it? Does it stay the same? No. 
it literally turns from a liquid to a solid. Changes completely. And all you had to do was put it in a frozen environment. And the environment took control of everything. And if I want that solid to become water again, what do I have to do? Remove it from that frozen environment and put it in another environment that can actually change it back to water. And all of us always say, Pastor, I want to change. I want to change. I want to be better. I want to be better. I want to change. I want to change. Yes, you do want to change. But the reason you don't change is because you don't get out of ungodly environments you don't belong in. And then you wonder, why am I acting this way? Why am I cursing this way? Why don't I have a desire for God like I used to? Why am I so angry? Why am I so different? Why am I so upset? Why have I lost my peace? Why have I changed? Why am I so different? Well, what's, your, what's been your environment lately? Environment is everything. Don't expect change. If you're not willing to change first the environment truly. It's why they tell you, if you're an alcoholic, do not hang out with what? Other alcoholic. Don't step foot inside a bar. Why? Because environment will control you. If you have a problem with pornography, don't be alone wherever you can get internet. Shut the phone out. Go back to a flip phone. Whatever you got to do. Because environment is everything. When you're hanging out with people that gossip and slander and curse all the time, don't be surprised when you start gossiping and slandering and cursing all the time. Because environment is everything. And they got this man from his home to the graveyard. Because if not, they couldn't do anything with him. Can I talk about some demonic areas? Let's talk about obvious ones. There's obvious ones. Because someone comes up to hey, I'm having a Halloween party. We're going to get together and play Ouija board and light candles and worship Satan. Are you down? I hope to Jesus. You're going to say, Pastor David was right. I hope you're not saying, hey, let me think about it. I'll get back to you. There's obvious environments. Deuteronomy 4.19. The Bible says, and when you look up to the sky, and see the sun. Nothing wrong with that. It's a sunrise, looking at the sky and the moon. All of the heavenly array. Do not be enticed to bow down to them. Worship them. For the Lord your God has appropriated to all the nations under heaven. You know what God says? An obvious demonic realm is astrology. 
And it's so popular even in the church amongst Christians. And I've heard believers like nothing say, hey, what's your sign? I'm a Virgo. What are you? I'm a cancer. No, you're a heathen. That's what you're, that's your sign, heathen. Because God's have nothing to do. No, I just, I gotta read my horoscope. I gotta see what Wata Magado has to say to me about my week today. I gotta check this out. I got oh, you know that this how I saw the moon aligned this way. It means that this year's gonna be a blessing. This year's my favorite. Oh, look at that star. That means I'm gonna meet a man today. People are crazy like that. God says, stay away from that. Have nothing to do with the things of the dead, the Bible says. Look at Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 12 then. When you enter the land of the Lord, your God is giving you. That land was inhabited by ungodly people because we live in an ungodly world. You can't avoid it. God is giving you. Notice, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one, no one be found among you who sacrifices his son or daughters in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omen, engages in witchcraft, or casts spells, or who is a medium, which is popular today. You might watch a show on Lifetime that this person can contact the dead. Oh, that looks so fun. That looks so entertainment. That is not entertaining. That is demonic. Have nothing to do with mediums. Spiritist. For all my santeros in Hialeah, that's you there. Spiritist. To meet someone. To tell you your life, your future, to clean this, do that. That's a spiritist. Who consults the dead. Don't be telling me, Pastor, I, I talked to my grandma last night. She's been dead for 20 years. I'm going to say something ain't right with you. No, we, we talked all night. You were talking to someone. It wasn't the devil. It was the devil. It wasn't your grandma. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Detestable literally means that God can't use you. It's detestable. That's why we look now in October during Halloween. No, we're just dressing up. We're just doing this. We're look at the origins of it. It all had to do with the one day that they believed the dead rose. And people would dress up to confuse the spirit so they wouldn't be harmed. But here we are accepting of all of this now within our horror movies and Halloween and the dead and the stars and everything. We're just accepting the things of the occult. And when you do that, the devil has his wrestling move, his wrestling position, and he's ready to overpower you. These are detestable. But is it real? Yes! It is real through demonic power. And it's dangerous. That's why in the Bible, you see, even Saul contacted a medium and Elijah came to talk to him. But it wasn't Elijah, Elijah. It was a demon to mislead him. And Saul later on ended up committing suicide 
And he had mental illness. Because it's real. Have nothing to do with the things of the dead. The superstition. Where are my Cuban people at? Come on, superstition. is real if you're Hispanic. If you're Haitian. If you're from the Caribbean. We brought all of that junk to Miami. And it's so common to drive and see a dead chicken on the crosswalk. And we're just like, oh, just another day in Hialeah. And people drop that stuff off in our door here in church. I had one person, I'm still, oh, if I find them, they got maggots, remember that? They got maggots, bags and bags of maggots and put it all over my truck. And I was so foolish. I was like, wow, what are the odds? There's raining maggots today. And then my Maria, who came out of that, she said, ooh, I know what that is. It's real. Be careful. All right, let me put this water under the bed. All right, let me roll this coconut on the floor. All right, it's New Year's. Get the luggage, everyone. We're traveling. Come on, go ahead. Get the, get the luggage, Bravo. Walking around your block like a crazy. Something ain't right with you. All this superstition stuff. I know, I just keep this rabbit foot on my keychain because it does bring me luck. Oh, I wear these socks. The last time I wore these socks, I played an awesome golf game. Oh, I, I did. I wear this. I do that. I, I, the candles, light the candles for someone's sake. Right, let's pray for this person. What? Be careful with that. I, have a, I just like to hold the crystals because the energy, it takes my headaches away. No, the devil's taking those headaches away because he's trying to mislead you. Those are obvious areas. Maybe you're the pastor, that ain't me. Maybe. Not me. Good. Let's talk about less obvious areas. Look at James chapter 3, 14 and 15. If you harbor bitter envy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it is earthly, as unspiritual, and of what? The devil. That word devil in the Greek, diablos, literally means demonic. Here's a less obvious area of demonic territory in your life, your attitude. Your attitude. And I'm not talking about, you know, we all get angry. I'm not saying that you're going to get angry at someone. All of the minute you're angry, the devil's like, oh, you're angry. Ah, ah. No, it's not like that. We all get angry. So don't worry. Okay, I can't get angry because the devil's going to come. Let me light my candle. Oh, no, no candle. We all get angry, amen? We've all said a thing or two in our anger. Amen. But when you become an angry person, that's different. When you become an angry person and you become a jealous person, 
an envious person. You become a bitter person and you just walk with your faith and you're bitter. You trust no one. You're angry all the time. You're upset. You're always in a bad mood. You are giving an area of foothold to the devil. Another that's obvious, even less obvious area is found in 1 Samuel 15.3. Rebellion is like the sin of divination. Rebellion. The Bible says it's like divination. Rebellion is knowing the right thing you have to do, but you do the wrong thing anyway. Rebellion says, I don't care. I do what I want. Rebellion says, I know it's a sin, but I'm going to do what I feel I want to do. No one can change me. No one can tell me what to do. I'm going to live how I want, do what I want to do, watch what I want to watch, say what I want to say. I don't care if it's wrong before God. I don't care who it hurts. I'm going to rebel against authority. I'm going to rebel against the church. I'm going to rebel against God. I'm going to live in sin, and I'm just going to do what I want. That is rebellion. And the reason the Bible says rebellion is like the sin of divination is because divination opens up the doors to demonic territory, and so does rebellion. When you become a rebellious person, you are opening up areas for the demonic to have over control over you. And this was Saul. That Samuel said this too. And it's interesting because Saul, he started off on the right track. Humble, with small beginnings, serving God. God anointed him to be king. But then David came up. And he got jealous of King David. Jealousy, like James says. He got bitter towards David, like James says. He got angry. And the Bible says that an evil spirit oppressed Saul. And his anger, he tried to kill David. In his jealousy, he started seeking mediums for wisdom. The Bible says he couldn't sleep. He was restless, being tortured. And someone said, you know, I know this man named David who can play the harp and he worships. And as David goes to the palace and starts worshiping God, the devil, the evil spirits fled. Why? Because area and environment is everything. And when you set up for yourself an environment that honors God, the devil has to flee. That's why you have to be careful with what you're listening to. What you call music may not even be music in the eyes of God. But there we are, listening, watching, doing it. But boy, when David started worshiping, those evil demons said, oh, bye, you can't be here. Because environment is everything. Look at verse 11 through 12. 
They first begged him, don't take us out of the area. Jesus said, fine. A large herd of pigs were feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus. They begged him, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go inside them. They begged Jesus to go inside the pigs. Because in the book of Leviticus, pigs or swines were considered also unclean. Jewish people till this day stay away from pork. Because it was considered unfit for honoring God. We're not under that law anymore. Thank God. Don't you wait on Amen. But, <laughs> but at that time, there was no noche buena. They, they, you had to stay away from pigs. Because they were unclean. And notice, they begged Jesus, can we go in there? And why did Jesus say, yes, you can go in there? Because there was an unclean place where a demon can thrive. This is what I want to tell you guys today. There are too many people in the church letting pigs into their lives. You're allowing filth into your life, filth into your eyes, filth into your mouth, filth out of your mouth, filth in your ears. Watching, listening, accepting, hanging out with pigs. People, things that do not honor and are not fitting for God. And when these demons, the Bible says, got inside the pigs in verse 12, it's interesting that the pigs then ran off a cliff and died. Because when you start letting pigs into your life, the only direction you're going to start headed is downhill. And it doesn't end well. And I've seen too many homes go downhill. Too many families, marriages, spouses go downhill. Our country is going downhill. So many churches are going downhill. People and children are going downhill. And the ending is going to be tragic because we are letting too many pigs into our lives. How did the devil do it? Because here's what's shocking. Let me give you a little geography lesson. The land, the region of the garrison, in verse 1. Look at, look at verse 1 with me. They went across the lake of the region of the garrison. Now, Garasa was a region and that region was, it belonged, that land, that territory of the garrisons, it belonged to the people of God. But see, the garrison region, or in Gerasa, it was the furthest territory away from Jerusalem. Interesting, right? It was the furthest territory away from Jerusalem, which Jerusalem represented the presence of God. So it was the furthest place that can be away from God 
for riding the borderline because right after the garrison were ungodly pagan nations. So these people that lived in the regions of the garrison, they, they just had this strategy. They said, we're going to live in the border. We're going to live in the borderline where we're close enough that we can say we're with God, but we're also close enough to the world. And see, the devil has a strategy for us to bring us to a place where we go downhill quick. He wants borderline Christians. Can I preach right now? Too many borderline Christians in the church. You want to be close enough where you feel okay with Jesus. So I'm going to be right in the church. I'm going to pray. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go to Bible study. I'm going to tell people I'm a Christian. I'm going to be, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I go to church. This is my church. It's Pastor David. Ooh, yeah, I love Pastor David. But you're borderline. Because that's just Sunday. But Monday through Saturday, you're in ungodly territory. Doing things you know you shouldn't do, watching things you shouldn't watch that don't honor God, listening to things that you shouldn't listen to, treating people with anger and rage and bitterness and cursing and drinking and doing all of that, and you're just there, but then Sunday you're back in the border. You're back in the border. I'm just borderline. I want to be in the middle. I want to be close enough where I, where I can be with, say, I'm with God, but I'm also close enough that if I wanted to, I'm in the world. That's the story of so many people in the church today. That's why you can't distinguish a Christian from a non-Christian anymore because we have accepted this borderline gospel that is not of God. But we're just in the border. And if you start off as a borderline believer... When you raise your children and they see that borderline faith in you, that you're one way in church and one way at home, one way in church, but one way in the world, one foot in, one foot out, when your kids grow up, they're not going to be borderline Christians. They're not going to be Christian at all. Because you're living a life of hypocrisy. You're living a life that you're one way in front of people in church, but that you're another way in the world. And you're back and forth between God and the world, church and the world, sin and righteousness, and you're in the borderline. And here's how the devil did it. The people were in the borderline of that region. And wouldn't you know that a little pig wandered in? One little pig wandered in. And when they saw that little pig, they knew this doesn't honor God. This ain't right. But it's just a little pig. No, it's a little pig. You fast forward later. The people are pig herders. And it went from accepting a pig to raising pigs. Accepting pigs. Living with pigs. Selling pigs. Eating pigs. Touching pigs. Making pork chops and chillings and all of that good stuff. They just accepted the pig lifestyle. But they were still in the territory of God. 
But even though they were in godly territory, they were being oppressed demonically because environment is everything. And the second they compromised with one pig, it turned into a herd. That herd led them downhill. When I see so many Christians go downhill, it's because somewhere down the line, there was a little piggy compromise. Is that you today? That's how the devil does it. It's just a little pig of rebellion until it's a herd and you're going downhill. It's just a little pig of a relationship. I'm just going to date this little cute pig. I'm just going to text the little pig. I'm just going to flirt with the little pig. I'm, I know I'm going to, the thing is, I'm going to bring this little pig to church. This little pig's going to get served. It's going to get saved. No, that little pig's going to lead you off a cliff. Am I preaching truth today? The Bible says even bad company corrupts good character. And there are little piggy people out there that want your relationship. That's what happened with Solomon. Solomon, we love the Lord, devout man of God, served the Lord with all his heart. He made one little piggy compromise. Her name, unknown. Her region, Egypt ungodly territory. When they met, you know what Solomon said? It's just one girl. It's just one. He let her in, married her. Fast forward two chapters later, that boy had 1,000 pigs. 1,000 ungodly pagan women all over the palace, turning his heart away from God. How did he get so far? Tell me where he compromised. Are you compromising today? When you're watching television, something you know doesn't honor God, but you just compromise because there's nothing else on. Are you compromising friendships? Are you compromising relationships? Are you compromising with what you're watching, tasting, what you're listening to? All it takes is one little pig to turn into a herd to lead you off a cliff. It's just one little porn site. It's not going to control me. It's just one little beer. It's just one little joint. It's just one little party. It's just one little friend she wants to have from school. It's just one little friend he wants from school. It's just one. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be radical. I don't want to be extreme. So I'm just going to let that little pig in until it's a herd and you're off a cliff. That's why you better check the pigs out in your kid's life. Your kids shouldn't even have TikTok. Can I just say that? Shouldn't even have it. First, because it's from China. Second, because it's wrong. And they're, they're doing their little pig dances and all that. And you know how cute. It ain't cute until it goes off a cliff. It turns into a herd. And I can only imagine and wonder how many pigs are we compromising in our lives? And we're setting up demonic areas of influence. It's in what you watch, 
what you listen to, the friendships you keep, the things that you do. All of it creates an area where either God can reign or the devil. And I want to close with this. You guys enjoying Hell Series so far? Because I want to pray as we close. Some of you say, well, Pastor, the thing is, it I just it, it looks so innocent. It, it looks so funny to me. And that's how the devil gets you. Can I help you find pigs in your life? Can I do that today, church? Because let me tell you, when you become a Christian, when you start walking with the Lord, when you're walking with Jesus, there's things that you're doing that you don't even know yet are wrong. But as you grow with the Lord, you look back and you say, I can't believe I thought that was okay. I can't believe I used to do that. I can't believe that pig was in my life. But I'm grateful for pastors that have the courage to tell their church where their pigs are at. Because we can grow this church filled to the brim if I don't preach about pigs anymore. But in this church, we're going to preach the Word of God. And I might not be popular, but when I get to heaven, I'm going to hear God say, well done, my good and faithful pastor. Because you pointed out the peace. Because church, I love you. I may not be the hugger you want all the time. Oh yeah, I love you. Listen, I may not ever tell you I love you, but listen, I love you. It's the last time I'm saying And because I love you, I don't want you to tap out. I don't want to see you go down a cliff. I don't want to go look back years from now. And I, I don't want to say, oh man, man what, what, what happened to Jay and Stephanie? What, what, what happened, what, what happened to, to all my church? What, what happened to Gabby? What happened to Nancy? What happened to this? Where's Maria? Where's this? Where's Odie? I don't want to do that. I want to look back and see you guys still on the hill and say, I'm not jumping off that cliff, devil, because I'm serving God. And that's why my heart was broken yesterday as I was just mowing the lawn because I was thinking and seeing all the people and all the faces that were worshiping God and now have gone off the cliff. And I said, how and why? And the Lord placed it in my heart. It was one little pig of compromise. I want to see all of us serving God till you die or till Jesus returns. So I've got to show you where your pigs are at. It's easy, but then it's not. There's one thing, there's a lot of things I'm bad at. 
But there's one thing Jericho will tell you. Don't ever tell David. Don't ever ask him to hang something for you on a wall. I can't do it. In my house, we have this beautiful photo that was given to me by an amazing artist as a gift. And proudly, I wanted to hang it in our wall. And I hung and I said, wow. And Jericho's like, You know why? Because when I when I go back, it looks straight to me. And I think it's fine. Until I pull this out. Eleven. And when I line it up, and this little bubble is not centered, it lets me know when I see that little bubble. It is completely off and wrong. And what I do is I don't adjust the level because you cannot adjust God. You adjust to God. And I get the picture frame and I line it up with the bubble in the center with no compromise. And as long as I follow this bubble in the center and line it up at level, I know that it's right. Because there's going to be things in your life you're going to say to yourself, looks fine to me, looks innocent to me, doesn't look harmless. I think it's okay. I don't think it's that bad. That's where the compromise little pigs are coming in. You see, God gave us a level. Church, this is a Bible. It's the Word of God. It is our instructions for daily living. You want your life to go well? Level yourself up with this. So you know what happens? Start practicing this. I turn on the TV. I'm watching a show that I think is fine. But in those 30 minutes or one hour of watching that show, I have named 10 things that don't honor God. I've seen people sleeping around that aren't even married. I've seen same-sex couples. I've seen nudity. I've seen people that are just living in sin. I've seen things that are wrong before God's Word. It may look innocent, but when I evaluate that one hour, what I just watched, how much of what I just watched lines up with the Word of God? Does it glorify God? Well, no, but it doesn't seem that bad. It's just, they didn't show anything. You ever said that? Okay, but what did they imply? Well, yeah, they, they slept together, not married. What does the Bible say about that? It's a sin. Okay. What about those two dudes, huh? What about that? Oh, yeah, but they just held hands. What is it implying? Yeah, yeah, they're gay. Well, what about that drug use? Yeah, but it's just probably just powder, just a little sugar. No, what is it implying? Drug use. 
How much of that glorifies God? None of it. Why are you watching? Why are you listening to Oh, it's, I just like the beat. I just like the music. I, I don't listen to the words. Who's singing it? Do they glorify God? No. Why are you watching them? Why are you giving them your attention? Why are you giving them your money? It takes commitment to honor God. You meet a person. I want you to imagine it. Don't do it. But imagine you bring a date. You go on a date with this. And they're there with their little button down, sexy, giving you the nice words and everything. Uh huh. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Deep down inside, I want you to check their Facebook, check their Instagram, check everything. Look at them. See how they talk. Everything. Do they line up with godly standards? How many people could you have saved yourself from had you lived a bubble-centered life? I, but I don't want to live in a bubble. Being a Christian means sometimes you have to. So you live in an ungodly world. If it doesn't line up with godly principles, it's a pig that can turn to a herd that can lead you off a cliff. And in verse 15, 18, let's all stand to read this together to dismiss. Lower that a little bit, Marty, just a little bit. I want to really read this. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legions of demons sitting there, dressed in his right mind. And they were afraid. And in verse 16, the people began to plead with Jesus, leave this region. They told Jesus, we want you out of this territory. And Jesus was getting into the boat. The man who had been demon possessed begged to go with him. Notice the difference now in this man. In the beginning, when this man was heavily influenced by demonic presence, he begged, don't take us out of this area. Then they begged, please send it to the pig. And now this man is begging, please, Jesus, let me search you. Let me follow you. That is true transformation. But these other men that saw and witnessed the miracles of Jesus, they said, leave this region. Why? Because their pigs mattered more. And they knew that Jesus just finished destroying 2,000 of their little piggies. And there are people that don't want to serve Jesus because they want to still live in filth. They want to live in the world. They want to live in sin. They say, no, I know that if I'm a Christian, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do that. Stop talking like that. Because if you are a Christian, you're going to live with peace and joy and hope and expectations that you're going to be in heaven when there's no more weeping, no gnashing of teeth, where you have been healed beyond measure. You're going to see the blessing and the favors of God in your life. And there is nothing greater than truly serving Jesus. Because when you die, your pigs aren't going with you. So you might as well give them up now. But it's your choice. With every head bowed and every other closed, I'm going to ask you guys a question. 
least 45 minutes of his preaching. How many of you, be honest, were hit with conviction and can identify at least one little thing in your life? Show me. It's about everyone. So it shows me that the Lord has spoken to me today to warn me that little pigs turn into herds and the herds always lead you off the cliff. And I pray that you go home and begin to establish a godly area. A godly area in your home. A godly area in what you call entertainment. Remove the pigs out of your life. Remove the pigs out of your children's life. Take drastic measures if you have to to remove the little pigs that have been compromised in your life because you've been living borderline. And I pray like this man, you begin to see Jesus work miracles and bless you and heal you. And I pray like this man that you have a desire to serve Jesus and give up peace. I want to pray for all of us. Father, bless this word to our lives. Father, I pray that you reveal to us the pigs in our lives. Church, if this is you this morning, this is pastor. Thank you. There's a pig in my life. And I see it turning into a herd. It's grown. It's going to lead me off the cliff away from God. This pig controls my thoughts. This pig does not honor me. This pig is the reason I have no peace. I like this pig. I enjoy this pig. But I know this pig is wrong. He puts that hand on God bless you. Father Jesus. We are at a battle. We are in the struggle. And the devil is trying to wrestle with us. To get us to tap out. Father, I pray that you would forgive us, forgive anyone here today. Just compromise. A pig. That we would leave church here today ready and able to remove all things in our lives from where the devil is on Anything that we watch, listen to, anything that comes out of our mouth, anything that comes into our mouth, Father, anything that, any friendships, anything, Father, that is not honoring to you, that does not line up, because your word said that in everything we do, let it be glorified to you. Forgive us 
and helped not to compromise the kids that need Heal the home. Heal the family. Heal the marriages. As we say death to politics. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God some praise today. That is our hell series. God bless you guys. Hell series usually goes a little longer because there's so much stuff. You guys can have a seat. Usually goes a little longer because we have so much in depth. But I pray that you guys were truly blessed. How many were blessed by that message today? Because there's a lot that takes time into this. And we try to make it simple for you to understand, yet convicting. So I pray that you guys would just go home today, this week. But I pray that no more borderline living. Amen? No more borderline living. Make a choice who you're going to serve, the Bible says. If you're a borderline person, it doesn't end well. So speaking of not ending well, our Bible studies always end well, the opposite. We have a great time. We love the Word of God. If you guys want to learn more of the Word of God so you can level your life up and stop making decisions that don't honor God, come to Wednesday night Bible study. It's exactly one hour long from 8 to 9. Usually there's celebration. We have cake rolls, celebrating birthdays. And if you really want to get to know the people in church, really want to get to know them, come to Wednesday. It's a time to study the Bible, learn from each other, and get together. So you don't want to miss this. Wednesdays, 8 o'clock this week, happening again. We canceled it because of the storm and the hurricane, but we're back to normal. Lord willing, 8 o'clock Wednesdays. Don't miss that. Ladies, where are the ladies at? Ladies? All right. Come on, ladies. You like better than that, women. All right. All right. The ladies were jealous. Yeah, they were bitter. And, you know, they envied the men's ministry. So I get it. And they want to also do an event October 29th. So October 29th, the men are going fishing. As we go to Dania Pier to fish, the cost is only $5 at the pier. But make sure you guys make it. We're going to be there around 7 o'clock. You can drive and meet us there. We're going to be there from 7 to midnight. That's when the pier closes. So for a good time with all the men in our church, you can talk to me after service. But Dennis is not here. He's working right now because of the hurricane. So October 29th is the fishing event. See me at the church. And because last week I announced the fishing event, the women were like, oh my gosh, that's so unfair. Can we come? I'm like, no, you can't go. Mind your business. So now they want not, they want to do their own event. But here's the thing, guys. Our event is bigger. Our event. Now, uh, women, October 29th, same day, 6 p.m., October 29th, the women are going to have dinner together. Wah, wah. Okay. The women are going to have dinner together. They're going to, no, but the women love having dinner together. They love, I said, listen, ladies, why don't you cook the fish that we catch and make dinner for us? But they said no. And they also said, we don't catch fish, Jay. You believe that? They said, we don't catch fish. That's messed up. So October 20, <laughs> October 29th, 6 p.m., the ladies are having a dinner event, so please make sure you guys see Maria right after service so that you can get all the information about that. Next week, Sunday, Health Series Part 2. It's going to be, it only gets better, amen? It only gets better. So if you enjoyed today's service, come next Sunday. If you didn't enjoy today's service, something ain't right with you. you get, saw what I did there? All right. Okay, so let's all stand to our feet to pray. And I want to remind you guys, next Sunday, 
be on time because we will start. We have a lot to teach for the health series. Invite your friends, invite your family. Speaking of invites, as we get ready for our time and off, listen, speaking of invites, how many of you got that whole texting thing down packed? I'm gonna show me your hand, Pastor, I did it, I got it. Now, how many of you sent out an invitation? Not too many of you, but if you want this, listen, text this number, text this, notice this, share the invite to our church, share the invite to your friends and your family, share the invite to all the little pigs in your life. Tell them, hey, I go to a church that you might be blessed by. Text the number 81010, that's 81010, and text the word at, you have to put at FF Social. So write at FF Social to the number 81010. You're going to get a link to all the things we want you guys to put on your social media to send out to text to other people. But we're making it easier for you guys to invite. So make sure you guys invite for part two of our health series. Don't miss it. As we pray for our tithes and our offering, we thank you guys for joining us today. These are ways that you can give online. You can make out a check for Fellowship Church. Drop it off in the box in the back. Give online. Give however. I want to thank you guys for your obedience and your tithing and your offering. I want to thank you, Father, for our praise dismissed. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for today's service, for this work. And Father, as we go home now, I pray that we stop borderline living, that we serve you with a whole heart. Identify the pigs in our lives so that we can drive them off the cliff before they drive us off. We thank you for this message. Bless part two next Sunday. Bless us this week, Father. And Father, as we pray for the offering, I pray for a divine increase as we so need it right now. I pray that you continue to bless our church with our needs financially so we can continue. And we thank you for your provisions and the provisions you continue to give us, not only in our church, but our personal lives. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you.